Amen. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, praise team. Yeah, surprise. You weren't expecting this this morning. Neither was I at 8 o'clock this morning, but uh, we'll make it work. We'll hear what the Lord has to say to us today. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good time. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. If you're visiting Harvest Hill for the first time or the second time, welcome. We, uh, we're thankful that of all the places you could have gone to worship this morning, you came to Harvest Hill. And we pray that uh, you'll be blessed by doing that. We pray you'll come back next week when Pastor Mike will be in the pulpit. Uh, but thank you for being here. Thank you for those that stayed last Sunday after church. Got all these beautiful decorations up so that we can uh, make our house look pretty for Christmas, like we make our houses at home look pretty for Christmas. Uh, so thank you for doing that. And uh, let's, uh, let's pray before we start. Appreciate that prayer that Jackson had. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for, for Jesus Christ, whose birth we're going to celebrate here in a, a little bit, but whose birth we should celebrate every day of our lives. Father, we thank you for our church we thank you for the freedom we have to come and worship you. We thank you for a pastor um, who shares your word with us each week. We pray for he and his family. Pray for Pastor Mike to get well uh, quickly. Pray for those uh, in our families and our communities who are struggling, either with illness, accident, loneliness, separation, whatever it may be, Father, that they would turn to you and look to you for guidance and for strength and for love. Lord, we pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people today, that you would be here with us and we could feel you working. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Okay. Christmas story. We want to hear a Christmas story. We can turn on television about any day and get 24-hour renditions of someone's version of their Christmas or what they perceive Christmas to be. But we're going to look at a different Christmas story. You've heard it over and over. You hear it every Christmas. Usually the December schedule goes, you kind of start with Maybe the lesser important guys, the shepherds, the wise men, Joseph, Mary, and then and, and Jesus. Like, like it's almost like an order of importance. Today we're going to look at Joseph. We're going to jump right in there with Joseph. He gets the least acclaim from Christmas. He gets the least amount of scripture written about him. You go to Mardell and look for pictures and you don't see... Nice pictures of Joseph and Jesus at Christmas by themselves. Uh, he doesn't have a church or churches established in his name as, as Mother Mary does, or religion based on that. Yet he was a vital part of the Christmas story, of the original Christmas story. So from that, we will come up with a question of, 
who are you? Who are you? Someone ask, who are you? What would you say? Well, you know, I'm, I'm Mike Marler. I'm Jan Marler's husband, which is great. I'm Jenny Marler and Jeff Marler and Hannah Marler's dad, which is great. I'm Frankie Marler and Andy Marler's grandpa, which is great. <laughs> so we, we put that in the context of family, where we came from, where we were born, the family we were born into. I was born in France and Missouri at the Skaggs Community Hospital. And today you won't know the Skaggs Community Hospital because it's tucked in around the bigger hospitals around in Branson. But I was one of the first babies born at that hospital. They just built it. 1970, uh, no, 1952. <laughs> but it still stands today, and, and so do I. So I was born there. My, my grandparents lived on the top of Main Street, where the McDonald's is now, in a big house, had a big barn. They rented it, but it was wonderful going down there at Christmas because the Adoration Parade, which they're having, I don't know if it's, is it today? Uh, every year we've gone a lot. Um, it started that like four years before I was born. My dad worked for the electric company, and he hung the, the star the very first year they put it up, which now has been replaced by a bigger, newer, shinier star. But the little star is still there somewhere. Anyhow, that, that was part of my background. Who, who am I? My grandfather was a German immigrant, uh, my mom's dad. Uh, he and his brother came to Canada, down through Canada to Nebraska, Worked a while, went back to Germany, got their family, came back in. He, he became a naturalized citizen. So I have German roots. So it's important to know, to be able to figure out who we are, to know where we came from, you know, who, who our family is. And Christmas is usually a time when, when we do that. Get together with family, have food, open presents, read the Christmas story, hopefully and tell stories about Christmas past. Drives my kids crazy, because they don't, you know, they've heard the same stories since they were born, but that's okay, because that's how we learn part of who we are. And so we need to know, when we talk about this man, Joseph, who was he? Well, a big part of the Christmas story that we usually skip over is Matthew chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to cha Matthew chapter 1. It's a genealogy. It's like, oh, why was that even put in there? And I'm going to read through it and bear with me. Matthew 1.1 says the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And notice Matthew starts with Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hez, Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram. And if I miss some of these words, just, just bear with me, okay? Ram begot 
Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. <clears throat> Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, Abijah begot Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abihud, and Abihud begot Eliakim. Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim, and Achim begot Eliud. Eliud begot Eliezer. Eliezer begot Mathan, and Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the one we're getting to, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. 14, 14, 14. So that's where Joseph came from. And Joseph was the husband of Mary, who was born of Jesus. Was Joseph Jesus' biological father? No. We've heard the story of Virgin Mary and how that birth came to be. He was not. He was not the biological father. But nevertheless, he was the father of Jesus. Heard him being classified as a simple man of trade. Uh, he was a carpenter. Uh, you've seen the stickers. My father was a Jewish carpenter, or my Lord is a Jewish carpenter. Um, I would argue, knowing men like Richard Campbell, I would argue well, that would be a simple man of trade to be a carpenter. It's a very complex, a very difficult job to do. And a lot of people that have PhDs or doctorates or lawyers or doctors can't measure out a board and nail two boards together and make a house. So, yes, he was a man of trade, but that means that he worked. He worked for a living. He wasn't illiterate. We don't see stories of whether he went to temple or not. Uh, we assume he did uh, because he's the one that was charged with teaching Jesus, the Son of God. He was entrusted uh, to the, Jesus was entrusted to, to his care. So he had the background. He had the Jewish background. Um, and he had some training in, in that, passing the beliefs down from one generation to the next of what being a child of God was at that time. So we go on to chapter, or, or to verse 18, and we talk about the call. You know, many times we get different calls in our life. Everybody 
wants to know what the Lord's call is on their life. Is it specific to me or do I just do what other people have done? Is there a specific time when you heard the Lord call you to do something? Call you to go to school, call you to become a doctor, call you to marry a certain person? What is this call all about? Well, Joseph, we're going to see Joseph's going to get a call. Mary's going to get a call too, but we're going to talk about Joseph's call. He was trained. He was trained. He had an open heart for the Lord. He was, he was God's person for that time. So to receive that call, he had to be faithful, uh, a faithful servant up to that point. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, before they had ever had sex, uh, before they had came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Okay, guys. Think about this. Your girlfriend, who's quite a bit younger than you, gives you a call and says, I'm pregnant. What do you do? What do you do, guys? It's like, I know it wasn't me. So, kick her down the road. I know it wasn't me, so... Let's go find a doctor and get this taken care of. I know it wasn't me, so I, I don't want anything to do with her or the baby. Those are options. Those are options Joseph could have done. By Jewish law, he could have publicly told everyone and had her stoned to death. By Jewish law, he, was, he had the right to do that. Uh, he did not want to do that. He said he was a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, but was minded to put her away secretly. So he thought he'd just hide it. He thought he'd just let her stay with her parents. He would go on his way, find somebody else. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will, be, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay. Having a dream. That's quite a dream, huh? Has the Lord ever spoken to you that clearly in a dream? Not in this way, but the Lord has spoken to me in a dream like that. And it's kind of interesting, the, the voices that he speaks to you in. In 2008, my mom passed away suddenly. And it was, it was October. So we were getting ready for Thanksgiving after that. And I was, I was upset, you know, because first year without mom. In the dream that night, I heard the voice my dear pastor Frank Stark 
They said, Mark, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. She's with me. And that sounded like Frank. Sometimes that's how the Lord spoke to me, was, was through Frank's dark and Betty's dark. <clears throat> but I knew from that point on it was going to be okay. It's still hard, but it, I knew it was going to be okay. Well, you know, I've been at, you know, a little year ago, you know, I stood up here. You guys prayed all, all around me when I found out I had cancer uh, on my head. I got the call, and that call said, you have a rare aggressive cancer that there's no real cure for. Um, so you need to come and have it taken off, and we'll go from there. That was a call I did not want to hear. I didn't think I would ever hear anything like that. But the Lord talked us through that. He talks through my wife a lot to me. Sometimes I think other people are talking through her to me, but in that time it was, was the Lord talking to her. And I was cured, you know. Right after radiation, they said it's all gone. A year later, it's all gone. We're, we're, I don't want time to pass quickly for that five-year mark, but I just want to enjoy each day. But, but, but the calls that you get. So Joseph got the call from the Lord. And I think being a just man says a lot about it. I think he was a man of God, and I think he believed what the dream said. I think he believed it. He didn't understand it, but I think he believed it. There are many times in our life where those things happen that we don't understand, but we have to believe. We have to have faith that God will provide. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph knew that this was going to happen someday. He knew scripture. He knew from the, the prophets. Uh, he knew that this was going to happen. So it's not like this was a foreign concept to him that this could happen. Because they'd been waiting for it for years and years. Throughout all those generations, they waited, they waited, they waited. And they, they were faithful when they served. Um, so he knew it was coming. And God gave him the, the uh, knowledge to know that, that, that it was here. And Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to his wife took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. So he took her as his wife. He didn't make a public example of her. He took her as his wife. He, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. When the Lord commands us to do something, we recognize it's the Lord's command. We need to do what the Lord has commanded us. Because look what it led to. And notice it said, and he called his name Jesus. It wasn't Mary that gave him the name. It was, it was Joseph. Uh, of course, in their society, the man, the man ruled. Uh, 
But that's the name that was given to him. So Joseph had options. He, uh, he chose wisely, as I said. And I think of, when I think of Joseph, I, I think, and I've heard people talk about it before, but you know, there, are, there are men and women in this congregation right now who God called to foster a child or to adopt a child. It wasn't their own, may have been their flesh and blood, may have not. Uh, so foster parenting is, is, a, is a, big, a big deal, and I think it, it's a good example of, of, of Joseph. You know, Joseph was Jesus's earthly father. Wasn't a biological father, but he was his earthly father. He did ha they did have more kids, children. I don't know that we know exactly how many more children they had, uh, how many Mary and Joseph had together. I know there was James and Jude. Uh, he had brothers. I don't know about sisters. Somebody can enlighten me on that later. But, uh, so obeying, obeying the word of the Lord is, is important. It was an, as important then, I mean now, as it was then. So once you figure out, and trying to figure out who you are, it's important to know, you know, your background. It's important to know, you know, some of you may be adopted. Uh, some of you may be fostering. But you still have a father and a mother that wanted to do that. Uh, so be thankful for that, too. And then following after that, Joseph... He, he was a father to Jesus. He took care of him. He raised him. He worked so his family would have sustenance and his family could go to church and his family could uh, have food. Uh, so he was, he was a good man. He was a good father. He was a good husband. After Jesus was born, uh, on the time frame, but King Herod wanted to try to find him and put him to death. And uh, an angel told, Lord told Joseph to flee to Egypt. He and Mary went to Egypt. He didn't question. He didn't, they just pretty much got on a donkey and went. If you, if you look at movies, you know, they had nothing. They got right up out of the stable and went, but I think it was a little bit later than that. But nevertheless, they followed the Lord. What was in Egypt? Well, that was her grandparents and everything, right? No, they had no family in Egypt. They just followed where the Lord directed them. Um, even before that, you know, he had, they had to go, go to Bethlehem uh, to be taxed. Uh, he led Mary by himself, probably again with a donkey. Well, we know they had a donkey, probably not much else, probably not much food to Bethlehem. Got there, there was no place for them. Okay, man, again, what would you do? What would you do? You drove half, halfway across the country on vacation. You got in the town. There was, there was a big event, and there was no place to stay. Well, first is panic, right? Because uh, somebody's probably telling you, I told you you should have called ahead for a reservation. But uh, Joseph couldn't have called ahead for a reservation, and there was no room for the inn. So in his humility, you know, he had to see his wife uh, 
uh, take her to a stable because there were no rooms in the inn to, to, to birth the baby, to have their son. How humiliating uh, that would have been as a man, you know, that you couldn't feel like you couldn't even take care of your, your spouse uh, while she's having the baby. But Joseph found the place, and God worked out the details. So after they went to, then, then they had to uh, flee to Egypt. And then uh, later when King Herod died and his, uh, uh, one of his relatives, probably his son, became king, they, were, uh, they weren't sure about if the edict was still in place about killing the babies, but the Lord told him return to Israel. But then the Lord said, no, go to Galilee. And so thus Jesus grew up in Galilee, as, as Joseph and Mary and the family lived in Galilee. All the while, Joseph was just going where the Lord directed him to go. It's also interesting, and if you look at genealogy, this, this story is really, all, the genealogy is only told two places, and really the whole story is in Matthew and Luke. Luke is where we usually read the Christmas story, uh, at Christmas because it's, it's what you hear most of. Um, Mark doesn't mention anything about the birth of Jesus. It just jumps right into his ministry. Uh, John mentions the origin of Jesus. And where does John ref refer back to? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So John traces it all the way back to God, and Luke Luke has a, a has a different uh, a, a different approach too. They, he tells a genealogy later, right before Jesus started his ministry, but he tells about uh, he starts at current time and goes backwards of Joseph, and and then and he doesn't stop with Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam. And so Luke, of course, being the physician, I think is a little more of a biological, he wants to tell every, every, every aspect of it. Matthew being more the, the scribe, the detail guy of, of the legalistic things, took it more from the legalistic viewpoint uh, of getting there. So we have, we have the genealogy in two places, and, and they agree. So Jesus did come through uh, the Jewish lineage, and it came through the lineage of David. Of course, it was the same different people, but Jewish lineage also of Mary. Mary was also a Jew. But along the way, one thing I was going to point out, along the way, if you, if you read some of those names, um, those weren't always the most upright, righteous, Christian, godly people. He talked about David, you know, King David, who's, you know, thought of being the, the most important king probably. You know, his son Solomon had more, had more resources and did more things building and everything, but King David is the one that really uh, led the people uh, as, as the actually second king. But, but it, it says... Uh, David, Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon, 
by her who had been the wife of Uriah. So David uh, committed adultery with Uriah's wife. He compounded it then by committing murder by seeing with militarily that Uriah was put in the front of the, the uh, army so that he would get killed so that David could then bring his wife into, the, into the, his house and, and have, have their babies, have Solomon. Actually, had another baby first that died. But, um, so the lineage of, of Jesus doesn't contain perfect people. You know, I got, we got a friend, Chad Mathis, that used to be the youth, youth director here when we started Harvest Hill. He goes to, he has a church called Red Tree on East Sunshine, and on the, on the billboard thing out front says, no perfect people allowed. And I, I, every time I see Chad, I usually joke with him and say, well, I, can't, I haven't been to your church because you've got to take that sign down first. So, uh, he, knows, he knows that's not true, but uh, there's no perfect people in in the lineage of Jesus, there are none. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you think you have to be a perfect person to be in the continuing lineage, uh, to be in the genealogy of Jesus, you don't have to because the others weren't. The only one that was perfect was Jesus Christ himself. Um, later, we see a temple. They went to the temple when Jesus was 12. Uh, what happens? Well, mom and dad forgets him. He's left at the temple. They get a couple days down the road, which is kind of odd for me, but a couple days down the road, it's like, where's Jesus? Well, I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. No. Where is he? So they rush back. He's sitting there teaching uh, with, the, with the scribes, with the people in the temple. And they admonish him, you know, you're supposed to be with us. Well, didn't you know I was about my father's business? So at age 12, Jesus knew that he was to be about his father's business. Joseph and Mary took him home. He went, he went home with his parents. He didn't stay there at the temple. Um, then we pick up later, uh, in Luke, when he started his ministry, uh, is estimated he's probably around 30. At age 12, we hear Joseph mentioned. At age 30, when Jesus starts his ministry, there's no mention of his dad. There's no mention of Joseph. Uh, throughout his three years or however many years of ministry, there's no mention of his uh, earthly father. But his earthly father had put the steps in place, had done the teaching of his son, uh, had taught him about his father. You say, well, he was God. He knew all that. Yeah, but he was an earthly, he was an earthly boy. He was an earthly man too. So he had to be taught these things. And Joseph, Joseph was one of them responsible for doing that. So again, men, if you, you think, well, you know, I'm going to have, have my boys till they're 20 years old or my girls, you know, I don't, I've got time to take them to church later or uh, do something else with them. You may not. You may not have that time. 
something may happen in between. You need to be involved in their lives and not just their sports lives or their play lives. You need to be involved in their spiritual lives. You need to, you guys are here, so you're doing the right thing. You need to bring them in church, not send them to church. Uh, and raise your boys especially, but raise your kids uh, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So, sometime between age 12 and 30, Jesus lost his dad. He lost his earthly father. It was hard, I'm sure. Sure it was. It's his dad. Um, but he knew he had a mission. He knew why he was here. He knew who he had to teach and had to lead. And he knew that he had to eventually go to the cross and die to save the world, to die for my sins, die for Mike Marler's sins, specifically, die for Richard Campbell's sins, die for... Fill in your name there, sins. Wasn't just for me he died. Wasn't just for Steve he died. He died for each one. Each one in the world. So then why, you look back and say, well, okay, I see what Joseph, I, I see what he had to do. I see what God put before him. Why am I here? You know, why am I here? Am I here to get up and go to work, work hard all day, come home, go to bed, Get up, go to work, work hard all day, come home, go to a ball game now and then. Well, yeah, you're here to do that, but you're here to do a lot more too. You're here to share Christ. Well, you're here first to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You're here to share Christ once you know him personally to share him with others and you're here to take as, as many with you as you can to go to heaven, to lead them to the Lord. God does the saving, but we do the telling. We do the evangelizing. And, it, and then it's up, you know, God will do his part uh, to save folks. We started out with, who are you? And I, I always like to hear stories about who you are. And if, if you like to hear stories, come sometime when Richard and Sarah are talking about Stratford past history. You'll hear a lot of stories about why Stratford is what it is. And it's because of people, people that the Lord brought to our town to build our town. Why are you here at Harvest Hill Baptist Church? Well, you're here to hear a good pastor, but... You're disappointed in that, but come back next week and you'll hear the good pastor. But you're here to hear a word, the word of the Lord, and learn yourself, just like Jesus learned from his parents and from his temple. You're here to learn more about him so you can better, better serve him, better serve him. I put a little more emphasis on the men today. Usually we do that on Father's Day when we run the men down. But, you know, for Christmas, you know, men, why are you here? 
part of it, I mean, a good part, if you've got kids, you're here to tell those kids about you and your family. And you're here to tell those kids about Jesus Christ. And you're here to work with some kids maybe that dad's not here. Maybe don't have a dad at home. Uh, but they come. They come on Wednesday nights. They come some on Sunday morning. And maybe God wants to use you to touch their lives. We need a viable men's ministry. Well, we don't have. We're missing that. We need a, a men's leader to plan some of these things. Women do a good job of planning their events and studying the Bible. The men need some, we need some help. Uh, we need some plans. Pray over that. And lastly, whose are you? Who are you and whose are you? If you're here today, I pray that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I pray that you've had a life-changing experience with him and that you are his child. I pray that Christmas means that to you, that you get to share that with other people. That it's not just about fun and games and presents and food. And, you know, and the, if you don't, if you're here and you don't know that, men or women or child, uh, Romans 10 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no, no swerving, no, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you're here this morning, You've known that story. You've known the story about the birth of Jesus. You celebrate it every year. Yet you know in your heart that you've never made that decision to personally accept him. Now's the time we're going to do that. We're going to have a, an invitation. And if you want to make that decision this morning, it's important that you come and tell people. It's important you don't keep it to yourself. If you're here this morning and have made that decision, but would like to unite with believers of a similar faith, and you feel like God's calling you to Harvest Hill, come and join the church. Come and ask for membership in the church. Maybe you've made that decision and you've never been baptized. Uh, Follow the example that Jesus set of baptism. You can, you can come and say you want to do that this morning. If there's a need, if you have a prayer need, come and pray. If someone comes and prays, someone come and pray with them. Don't let somebody be up here praying by themselves. Uh, Nicholas, Bridget, come and lead us in a time of invitation.